This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now. So I'll play it for you. It's a... called My Old Man. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com and your host for the show, which is, it's episode 91, Deja Vu, because we recorded uh, 91 before. It was our first time uh, in the studio and uh, a few technical issues. So we put that one out to uh, patrons. Uh, it'll probably end up being better than this show. But joining me to make sure that doesn't happen, Mr. Chris Bird. Welcome. Hello. And first time newbie ben redding thanks for having me over welcome thank you very much this is more of an experimentation to make sure we know how to use this uh, four-way studio i say four-way there's three of us but we have got a uh, a guest on mr dan rogers has gone awol so we've tracked down the most likely person who knows uh where he is we'll uh, make that call uh after i uh, tell you what's coming up in the show very topical at the moment obviously uh jose Mourinho has uh, come back into the premier league with spurs uh Pochettino goes and within 24 hours uh Mourinho is uh in place it's probably less than 24 hours wasn't it probably less than 12 yeah, on it i was gonna say 12 hours i think pretty much yeah so obviously that was all sorted out before uh old potch was uh, pushed but we'll discuss that uh in the three points also the fan manifesto it's election season and no we're not going to talk about brexit but we'll just quickly run through the uh, football supporters associations uh, fan manifesto also uh, some kind of crazy 27 nil victory that cost somebody cost the victor his job did it not 
absolutely backwards. We'll discuss uh, what's happening at Villa, how we kind of see it after 12 games and obviously the Christmas uh, festive period ahead. We'll look at the Liverpool game in terms of uh, the the pricing on that ticket. We'll all, I'll also, uh, I went to a F- Aston Villa fan consultation group meeting uh, last week, so probably discuss the hot takes from that. And uh, we will rerun the Scott Hogan first ever three-way Scott Hogan. I know Ben's really disappointed because he wanted to. Got it. That was the only reason I was coming, <laughs> so I might be going now. We'll try to get Ben on uh, to do uh, a Scott Hogan uh, for real because uh, you've got to have a crack at the champion, which is Dan Rogers. I need to take him down. He's had his time. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> Fight and talk. Never met him. I like the yeah. cut of his jib. I do as well. <laughs> Feisty. Uh, but we will uh, rerun the uh, first uh, attempt at episode 91, the three-way Scott Hogan between Max Stokes, Chris Bird and Dan Rogers. Because uh, I think the audio is all right on that. I think it's uh, listenable. I will also probably briefly mention the Newcastle game as well, but uh, we'll go more into Newcastle in the uh, the Mom's Patreon bonus show, the anti-preview. And this show is, uh, as the last couple of episodes have been, brought to you by our sponsor, Beer52. Just listen to the end of the show to see how you can get a free case of craft beer by joining their club for just paying uh, the price of postage, which is four ninety five, and you get uh, the very next day a box of 10 beers. Uh, you can actually listen to uh, episode 90, where we actually uh, sample some of their beers uh, on air to uh, get a better gist of uh, the deal that they're offering, which is kind of a no-brainer when you consider the quality of the product. But uh, if you don't want to go back to episode 90 or you've listened to it already, just uh, hang on in to the end of the show. Thank you. Right, let's get into the three points. First point, number one, uh, is it's general election time and I don't know if they if they use policy now to uh, actually uh, attract votes because it's more about uh, digital social media sabotage. I don't know if anybody here has uh, watched the Netflix documentary The Great Hack about Cambridge Analytica, which uh, you see that and you just go, oh, we're so fucked. How all these elections have basically been influenced uh, via Facebook. But anyway, uh, some people might still be interested in uh, policies. So the, what the Football Supporters Association has done is uh, set out a fan manifesto to basically try to influence the political parties into looking into uh, making uh, promises to uh, sustain the various things, which includes uh, sharing the wealth uh, to the grassroots, you know, basically making sure the wealth of the Premier League filters down the pyramid and supports the base of the game. Also standing where... I mean, we, this has been an on, ongoing battle, but we're finally getting to, uh, you know, see the actual uh, end of this. Hopefully, the government ordered a review, so hopefully within a year we should have some proper movement on that. Transport as well. Uh, there is a campaign which is actually supported by the Premier League and uh, EFL to have flexible football rail tickets. So instead of buying a ticket for a date, you're buying it for a fixture. So if Sky move it, you've still got that ticket and you've paid for it. So it will work on whatever day that fixture is played, which I think is a good idea. Also, the FSA have set out uh, a very very robust and solid uh, governance and regulation guidelines which the FA have uh, basically given the thumbs up uh, as as have uh, various MPs as well and I th- think uh, this is something uh, that actually could come into play and form the, the foundations of bedrock of future fit and proper tests which obviously Villa 
were know a thing or two uh, with our Chinese friend. Uh, and also, the final thing is equality, making sure that uh, the Football Offences Act is extended beyond just uh, racialist and indecent chanting and includes uh, protected characteristics from the Equality Act. Anyway, moving on to uh, something a bit more juicier in terms of football. Uh, I do it with a bit of, of sadness, but um, I have to do it. I have to speak about um, Mauricio. I have to congratulate him for the work he did. And I had, I have to share with you what um, we already share indoors, which is uh, this club will be always his, uh, his home. This training ground will be always his training ground. He can come when he wants, when he miss the players, when he miss the people that he work with. The door is always open for, uh, for him. And, um, from my experience, tomorrow is another day and you will find happiness again. Mourinho to Spurs. First of all, uh, Chris, Potticino going, what, do you, what did you think of that? Poor decision for me. But you look at their results and they haven't been great in this calendar year. Yeah, I think they're, they're averaging just over one point in the last 25 games and they haven't actually won away, which is even worse than No, the, the, the Champions League run kind of masked it a little bit, didn't it? Where they, they kind of stumbled through to a certain extent and were very lucky in how they got to the final. And that kind of masked their league form to a certain extent. But I mean, if you if you look back to 82 when Villa were going for the European Cup, it's hard to concentrate on the league because uh, obviously the focus is, it's almost like tunnel vision. So, But Spurs managed to qualify again. So it's kind of job done in that respect. Uh, what, what did you think, Ben? Personally, I think they've they've probably panicked and thought that we've got this big, shiny new stadium. And if you have a look at the league table now, you can see that the top four are already quite a big chunk away. So I think that's clearly part of the uh, conversation that they've had there. Um, I think if it was most other teams, if Spurs weren't in that ground, I think he'd probably still be manager because... All the fans liked him. They yeah. liked his style of play, and I think they might well uh, struggle to like Mr. Mourinho if he uh, continues the tactics he's deployed at uh, past clubs. Yeah, uh, it seems like to me just with the timings, because if they really wanted to get rid of Podge, they would have done it at the start of the international break. It seems like they were in negotiations with Mourinho for a good week or so, and the lawyers were all in, you know, bashing out his contract, etc. And that's what the, the hold it was. So it's almost like constructive dismissal, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, they'll have known. If, I mean, it, it was kind of on the radar, wasn't it? Even at the start of the season that Pochettino might not even make the first game of the season here. It was yeah, kind of, yeah. it had been talked about for a while. And I wonder if he's just pushed Levy so far in board meetings and his general demeanour in the press if you see press conferences etc and I just wonder if Levy's gone do you know what I'm just going to sort of cut the head off this and give us time to turn the ship around which was it an 11 point gap at the moment from fourth I mean they're going to do well to to overhaul that I do wonder as well if maybe it's a ploy where they're thinking I know they've got players like Ericsson who are coming up for the end of their contract if it is maybe a bit of a desperate last ditch attempt to say look we've got this big name manager been there and done it before get them to sign a contract before in january they can effectively get a bosman sorted can't they so yeah yeah. Uh, just hypothetical question just around this uh, point off Uh, i'll start with you ben let's pretend that pochettino was dean smith and dean smith has taken us to the champions league final and uh 
That'd be wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and all the other achievements he made, obviously just getting us in the Champions League was a good start. And then this happens, but Mourinho comes in. And so obviously Mourinho's got you know decent track record in terms of winning, but he's, he's, the style is a bit sturgid. How are you feeling at this moment? I think I think that's the question. It's how much do you value winning a trophy? Because Spurs haven't won one for ages. Um, so I think that'll be the question, whether they'll take a bit of turgid football for two years, if it means they can win a couple of cups and maybe sneak in the Champions League or Europa League this season. But yeah, I think for a, if, if I was a Spurs fan, I'd be pretty worried. There's a great quote I found earlier. Um, from Mourinho, where he said, the quality in both the squad and the academy excites me. I'm I'm surprised he knows what an academy is based (laughs) on um, his past experience because he's just going to be going for older players. So if I was a Spurs fan, I'd be disappointed. And I think bearing in mind where we are in the season, I think if they were still struggling after Christmas, fans might be a little bit more in tune with the change. But for me, it's maybe a month or two early. Chris, um, in terms of Mourinho, there's this perception that he, he failed at Manchester United. and, and when, But when you actually look at it, I mean, maybe in, in it's all relative, but he's, he actually won a UEFA Cup there. He you know, won a League Cup, won the FA Cup as well. So same question. Are, are you content with uh, Mourinho? Because from a Spurs point of view, you know, they're the perennial bottlers. And, you know, that's it's almost like an old adage in football. They... In recent times, they don't really get it across the line. So uh, how, how are you feeling waking up with Mourinho as your manager now? I think if you take the emotion of Pochettino out of the equation, you know, they'll say, well, he's had a five-year and what an amazing run and all he's achieved at the club. But you look back and in football terms, it's like nobody remembers the year you won, you know, you became third in the league or it's like saying, oh, we're the team who just about stayed up. It's like no one cares. Yeah. You know, you, you're... Your legacy as a club comes from winning things, not just getting into the Champions League. Now, if you've won the league and you say, well, we're the league champions, we are, you know, or remember that year we lost at a European Cup final, they'll remember that, but not for the good reasons. But I think ultimately they have to, they have to win something to sort of validate the project that Levy's put in place over a reasonably long period of time. You know, yeah. Pochettino built a great side and they've got some really good players. But I've, I sort of thought at the beginning of the season, and we discussed on the show that while some of the other big teams were already in transition, we everybody looked at it that Spurs were about to be. Well, now they are. And I think yeah. had Poch taken that team as far as he was going to, you know, yeah. if you, you look at the side, you think, well, if he can't win a trophy with this, are they going to have to tear this up and start again? And I just wonder if... They're bringing Mourinho in thinking, well, maybe he might be the personality who can knock a Deli Alley into shape or can he get the best out of some of the players they've got? Because I don't think he would have taken the job unless he, th- he saw... Because you know what he's like. I mean, we always used to say uh, in the early days... Mourinho wouldn't take the Villa job because there's too much work to be done. So he must have seen, here's an opportunity, just need to add a few bits, change the mentality, well, they've, they've job got to good a and brilliant squad, haven't they? You yeah. look at their, their players... There's no, they should know where they should be nowhere near where they are in the league at the moment. What they fourteenth or something? Yeah. So I can see that he's definitely got something to work with. I just, I just thought, I mean, on like the WhatsApp groups, I was like, I'm, I'd be amazed if he went there because yeah, they won't spend the money. Tottenham, we saw it with when they were after Grealish when they tried to get him on the cheap. If they're if they were trying to do it then. You know they've they've got this big stadium now. I can't see how all of a sudden they're just going to completely change tact and 
go with what Mourinho's gone with in the past, but yeah. we'll see, won't we? Right, well, uh, obviously this isn't the Spurs podcast, so let's move on to the third point. Uh, Chris Budd, uh, actually I spotted this one as well uh, earlier on in the week. Uh, the bizarreness of uh, being too good for your job. Uh, is that a nutshell description of it? Essentially, so uh, an Italian under-18 squad by the name of Invicta Soro, I hope I haven't pronounced that wrong, who are managed by a chap called Massimiliano Ricci, that's a um, good name. Which is a fantastic manager's name. And uh, Mr. Ritchie Lionel. Was, was, uh, was sacked after uh, his side dismantled a side called Marina Calcio 27-0. Um, his chairman deemed it that this destroying of a team was highly disrespectful to a team that had suffered several key injuries and said we were stunned and deeply regretful when hearing that our juniors team had beaten Marina Calcio 27-0. The values of youth team football are anti-ethical to such a thing the opponent must always be respected and that did not happen today so the president decided uh, to sack him yeah, it reminds me that i think it was the corinthian casuals who uh in terms of the etiquette of the game and it being f- fair would purposely miss penalties if they got one just because they deemed it uh unfair on the opposition i mean surely if you're playing the morals thing if you, you know if it gets the sort of double figures why wouldn't the opposition just go bollocks to this? We'll just walk off. Yeah, just you just for, forfeiting is probably better than losing twenty seven nil. Right before we go on uh, to discuss uh, what is happening to Aston Villa as we uh, enter winter, normally it's the bleak with bleak midwinter, is it not? For, it's usually uh, a lean Christmas. Yes, yeah, as we sit there on our sit there in front of the fire, roasting marshmallows, waiting for the daffodils to uh, pop up. And, or indeed and, the hot dogs. And the villa dogs. No, no, we don't call them hot dogs on this show. It's villa dogs. Uh, before we go on, thank you very much uh, to the My Old Man Said patrons for keeping the show alive and keeping it real. The latest uh, people to uh, join our band of merry people are Tim Dixon, Matthew Smith, Philip Sale, Phil Rose, somebody just called Neil. It's like Prince where you just... Or Wesley. Or, or in, Wesley, yeah. In between us, Neil. <laughs> in between us, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> And James, those three eyes on that. My eye doesn't work on my keyboard, so uh, Tozzeri? Yeah, I reckon you yeah, to- oh, And I've ridden it with about three or four eyes because my, my eye gets stuck. But thank you very much for joining up, as my old man said, patrons. Please do if you uh, want to support the show as we go into the year 2020. And we are looking now at uh, procuring this uh, magnificent machine in front of me that allows me to uh, make calls... Uh, and get people on the show uh, down the line, so to speak, so we can operate more as a radio show, as we'll prove to you in, in a second. But also you get access to the anti-preview show, and there's also uh, rewards as well if you come in at a certain tier. But please do uh, give it some thought and go to myomansaid.com and click on the patron link and... Uh, do uh, join us. Right, for those of you who are wondering uh, where Dan Rogers is, uh, well, that's what we've, we've been wondering. Uh, apparently he went off to Norway, uh, and if anybody follows him on Twitter, uh, that was the last uh, last we've heard of him. There was some kind of pyro videos or something. Yeah, apparently but it was fireworks. Fireworks. Was it some kind of protest? Mm. I've got a sneaking suspicion uh, where Mr. Rogers is, so uh, just uh, let's just give him a, somebody a phone call here. Just put this number in here. Just let this ring. <laughs> you can join in with the phone calls. Oh, can I? <laughs> uh, hello? Hello. Uh, hello. Hello. Is that, is that Chris? Yes. Hello. Chris in Norway? Yes. Can you, can you tell us... 
Can you tell us where Mr. Dan Rogers is? I think you're, you're the last one to actually uh, see his uh, whereabouts. Yeah, he's still wandering the streets of uh, Norway, <laughs> tasting the local poison, the, the aquavit. So, <laughs> so this this is. I can't uh, get him home to you. No, as <laughs> he's run out of money, he spent it all on on that dark poison that uh, you guys uh, call a drink. Yeah, yeah. But, no. uh, so he's anyway. loving it here, so I, I don't think you're getting him back back home. Uh, oh, that's right. soon. Dan's no. quite pasty, isn't he? So he's not he's not used to like sunlight. So this is perfect for him, Norway in winter. <laughs> yeah. I might see if I can get his. I'll ring up the club and see if I can get his season ticket transferred uh, to offer up as a prize to a listener to the show because it would be a shame to see it uh, go out of use. Uh, listeners, if you don't know the dulcet tones down the line it's uh chris How do, is it christopher I, I never know how to say that your name is it christopher or do you yeah just... i think you say christopher more uh correct than you say <laughs> you never get that right <laughs> well so we we get in trouble for not saying uh, connor hoorahan or hoorahan or Haurahan. Haurahan. and we also, get in, we also get into trouble uh in the scandinavian viking world as well for our is it neeland nyland well, the thing was, Chris, that it was, <laughs> the thing was, Chris, because he was the third string goalkeeper. We never thought we'd mention his name again. And uh, now suddenly he's Villa's, yeah. Villa's number one again. Yeah. Now, I read out your story, but it was on the uh, the patron uh, only podcast, the one where we were having sound issues. Uh, do you think, what's, sorry, what's the Hertha Berlin goalkeeper call? Who's the Norwegian number one? Oh, Jesus. What's his name again? Uh, <laughs> in the <laughs> Right, correct. <laughs> uh, to be totally honest, I'm more into Aston Villa than my national team. But, uh, yeah, his name is uh, Rune Arstein, and um, he found himself. Was it like t- <laughs> 2015? He was uh, basically told he was surplus to requirements by Hertha, and then. Yeah. He was told to find another club, and then a couple of injuries later, he's suddenly number one and suddenly wins. Uh, is it his goalkeeper of the year, wasn't it, in the Bundesliga? Is it Rune Jarstein or Jarstein? Rune Jarstein. That's the one. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, actually, he was the uh, best goalkeeper in Bundesliga for two years running after yeah. that. And then he was, at that uh, time, he was uh, 31. Uh, Erjan Nyland is now 29 so I think uh, in two years time Erjan is going to be Premier League goalkeeper he's going to leave the Villa and go to the Bundesliga like, I, th- I think you're getting a bit excite- excited there Chris I'm going to ask you man to man do you think that uh, however you say his name properly Nyland or Jan will be at Villa will be at Villa next season I think so yeah oh confident confident but obviously there's a lot of uh, competition you know Great goalkeepers at Villa, but Jed Steer always, always gets. Jed and, yeah, he always gets injured though, so I think that opens up a potential. But I want to know what happened to Kalinic. He's just disappeared, and he, and he was originally bought uh, by Dean Smith because uh, Nealon was shit. Yeah, but you know, God knows who, uh, what happened. Golini uh, something <laughs> playing for Italy now, and uh, yeah. I'm releasing rap records on YouTube as well. Yeah. When are you next over in England uh, to see the mighty Villa? Uh, actually, I'm coming next week after the Newcastle game. I'm flying into Manchester on the Saturday, so I'm going Man United away with the missus. Is it? Is it? Is it your first? It's your first game this season. Is it in uh, in the Premier League? Yeah, and I went also uh, preseason in Leipzig. Uh, ah, right, with yeah, yeah. Max, uh, actually. Yeah. Ah, yes, he but, says. Uh, 
from what he can remember. Not Premier League, but uh, I tell you what, those uh, preseason games, uh, it's the best game of the season. Yeah, and white. Well, norm- normally, uh, normally I go to watch Villa against Telford and Wars and Warsaw. So I can't. I don't. I can't really say I agree with you there. <laughs> ben, did you did you see any preseason games uh, before this season? Uh, yeah, we've uh, I've actually been to Telford too, so it's not a bad little ground that one. But yeah, no, um, yeah, actually, it's all right for non-league, and they've yeah. got dominoes by the away end. Bonus, but yeah. it wasn't wasn't the best game of the season. Uh, no, <laughs> I think there was maybe one better last season that uh, might just top the bill over Telford. So, uh, so flying in, how are you feeling about Aston Villa so far this season with twelve games gone as a as an overseas fan coming in to see the the first game? I mean, obviously it's Manchester United uh, and Manchester United are kind of hot and cold at the moment. But are you concerned at all with Dean Smith's uh, Aston Villa? I'm not not concerned at all. I think yeah. we'll be fine. We just need to pick up points, and uh, Premier League is very competitive. Season. Do you think it's just a matter of adding a few, uh, like a striker and a winger, for example, uh, to what's already there? Yeah, I think with the team we got now, we can beat pretty much uh, everyone. Just don't do stupid mistakes, and um, yeah. uh, I think we, I think we need three points on Monday at Villa Park against Newcastle, obviously, and uh, I think we can get the result at Old Trafford as well. Yeah, I think going to uh, going to Manchester. With the Norwegian manager, manager, uh, yeah, yeah. I wanted to go to the Solskjaer second party, but uh, he's doing quite well at the time as well. So I think if he, I don't know who they're playing this uh, this weekend, but uh, if he loses them and loses lose uh, to Aston Villa, then he'll still be fine, I think. So yeah. there will be no no second party. <laughs> yeah, I think because they won, did they won the last game? Did they beat Chelsea? They beat and United. Yeah, yeah, Chelsea didn't they? They won the last game. Yeah, I think that's that that kept it, that kept the heat off Ollie. I think uh, winning that game. Man United and Chelsea was the first game of the season. I think I know Man United beat him because Rashford scored that free kick. Didn't that they? was in the cup. That was, yeah, that was that the was cup. In the cup. Yeah. yeah, they've got Sheffield United, then they go away to Astana on Thursday in the uh, Europa League. Yeah, big game. <laughs> right, anyway, uh, so in terms of uh, the return of Dan Rogers, is there any ransom you're uh, putting up? Are you asking <laughs> no. for money, or or is it dead or alive? I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not putting up a ransom. I, I don't care if he comes back or not. Or just a booking <laughs> history, or... <laughs> Do you need tickets for any game? Maybe we can have a work. Well, we'll just use his season ticket. Maybe Villa Dogs. Oh, Every right. time I'm over, I'm, uh, <laughs> we can organise that. Yeah, we can organise some Villa Dogs for his uh, safe return. <laughs> I think there is something worse than yeah, a Villa yeah, Dog yeah. now at Villa Park. Have you what? had the um, Tandoori? It's, I think it's only in the Trinity. There's one in the Upper Holt, actually. Yeah, I think the, the Tandoori roll. I thought this is going to be amazing. It was a chicken breast, crushed poppadom, mango chutney in a bun. Six pound twenty. Worst thing I've ever had at a football ground. I had two bites and put it in the bin. It was rank. Lacking in spices, was it? It was just horrible. It had the the chicken had like really greasy, not crunchy. It was just poor. Really poor. Well, I'm I'm surprised we let you on this show because only people who eat villa dogs uh, are. are... I'll, I'll see you later. <laughs> you, you probably alert. get out of here for your own safety. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we are near the Blues Ground, so uh, Shh, yeah. don't tell anybody our location. <laughs> right, Chris. Thank you very much for joining us, and uh, well, actually, joining us in an experiment because we're testing out uh, various equipment. And uh, since Dan Rogers is gone AWOL. Yeah. It, it, Tell you a story about uh, Dan. Yeah, please Ooh. do. Cool. Yeah. Here we go. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a story, but I, I think he was a little sceptical that we Norwegian Aston Villa fans could be 
real Viva fans like you. Yeah, I'm, but, not, I'm um, not skeptical. Uh, he didn't just uh, meet me, met uh, Andreas, and I. Did, did you say? Well did the, you say Norwegian? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Sorry. We are very skeptical. You got. <laughs> you guys took a hell of a beating. <laughs> so 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 what? So tell us more. So he was skeptical. Did he admit that or? Was that just uh, the aura that he gave off? Yeah, and I think most of the people I meet in Birmingham as well are quite skeptical, like a foreign fan or what are you? Are you a real fan? But I think he wrote a piece actually on his website, villaunderground.com. Yeah. Just go in there, have a read, and it's a very well written story. And yeah, but there's, what he is. there's too many ads on it. I, <laughs> just made me feel, <laughs> made me feel dizzy. <laughs> I'm going to put my ad blocker on and then I'm going to read it. Yeah, but it's actually a good story. And um, yeah, then you understand my, my feelings as well. He, he describes, uh, describes it uh, really well. All right. But anyway, I hope to see some of you up in Manchester yeah, next no, Sunday. I, well, I'll probably have to enter the bloody uh, t- ticket ballot to uh, get a chance. I mean, back in the day, I could always get a couple of tickets. Just normally, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a different world nowadays, trying to get tickets. Yeah. I won a raffle, like a Lions Club raffle. So, yes, lucky me. Well, we'll have to get you on uh, to uh, discuss that. I think Max Stokes will be uh, at that game as well, so you'll probably see his uh, mug about. Or camera. Or camera. But uh, <laughs> Hope I don't get his camera off my face. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you very much for joining us, and you will uh, no doubt join us uh, again in the future. Thank you very much. That's Chris, Cheers. Chris from Thanks, Norway. Guys. Thank you for joining us. Cheers. Bye. Right then, uh, thank you very much to uh, Chris for taking time out of it. I think he's in uh, Copenhagen, uh, a Copenhagen hotel, to uh, speak to us, where it's obviously uh, very getting cold up there in uh, the world of Scandinavia, and Villa hopefully won't be three- freezing in terms of uh, where we are in the league. It's not looking too good at the moment when you look at the table and we are sitting in that spot that... A lot of Villa fans said at the start of the season, as long as we finish 17th, who gives a shit? Well, we haven't got much wiggle room now because that's where we are. We discussed this on the first version of 91, but we'll discuss it uh, before we uh, go on to what's happening on the pitch. Keith Wyness, we, we didn't actually mention this, uh, finally settled out of court with the club. The club, uh, you know, said, he, you know, he's all right. See you later. Paid him off. I know that a lot of people were throwing Keith Wyness under the bus. I mean, I you know obviously met him several times through the uh, fan consultation group, which he always attended. You know, pretty much every one, and he's an affable chap. And I think there was a little bit of scapegoating there because he just thought there would be money there, and then suddenly the drawbridge was pulled up, and then it was like emergency. What do we do? How do we get out of this mess? Because uh, I think he said to somebody uh, around January of that season. If we don't go up, the shit's really going to hit the fan. But, uh, this is the season, uh, obviously, with Fulham, when Fulham beat us in the final, and obviously the shit did hit the fan. So uh, anyway, that's that's that done and dusted, and uh, we can obviously move on now, and that whole episode is in the past. At least we got a good gif out of Keith Wyness while he was uh, <laughs> around, didn't we? When we signed Graben. <laughs> It's probably his main contribution, actually, that gift. That's his lasting legacy. It yeah. is, ex- exactly. Thanks, Keith. I mean, speaking of uh, supporter consultation groups, I just remembered I went to uh, one, and uh, I think there's a few things worth uh, mentioning. Ben, you, you, yeah. you've emailed me a few times with issues. Is, is there anything that's... Uh, I think the thing for me is... Uh, stood out. As a dad, 
um, with the kit is the big thing. Obviously, Christmas coming up, the availability of kits, especially for kids, is absolutely terrible in the shop. It just seems to have been the case for years as well. Yeah, this, I mean, this is what we said actually uh, to the, the the staff that were there was like, this isn't just a Kappa thing. It seems to be a perpetual thing. And so they're going to set up a meeting with the fan consultation group and Kappa and Fanatics yep. to see how we can improve things going forward. I mean, obviously the kit for next season is already designed and it's they have to design them a, a year in advance basically because all of these kits get made in China. And so they have to get the production uh, rolling and obviously other, you know, other clubs are doing it as well so it's all about uh, getting a slot yeah i think the, the comments like on the kit from a sizing perspective for me i think that's just generally how things are now you know yeah. things to me it seems that it's a clear marketing tactic to get you to buy the adult shirt quicker so in effect they make like a shirt a size smaller oh good conspiracy theory i like this well my my son's eight and i have yeah. to buy him a 10 year old kit and he's not any i'd say he's fairly average for his age yeah so i just think that's that's how it is for me i've got a home shirt i've got other friends who've got all the kits um the quality is fine from what i've had but i can see for like overseas fans that you know if you're wanting to buy a shirt and the returning etc is you know it's not ideal yeah i mean i think i think that elite fit one was uh i mean that's just clever marketing because you have uh it's like the whole philosophy behind luxury brands it's like that fomo it's like you need uh if you're like like a you know the hipster or whatever you want to have the best one and you're prepared to pay that amount as a status symbol and to put a price on something because it's tight to fit is actually less material but you have to pay 25 pounds yeah. more is uh, if you can get away with it it's uh, it's obviously genius because there's always people that will, will fall for that no i mean from my point of view i definitely cannot carry an elite fit shirt they don't know so. that they, these <laughs> listeners don't know that it's audio we <laughs> they have no proof yeah. there's no <laughs> proof of our faces for radio yeah. yeah i'm so hench i can't fit into an elite one um but yeah i'm uh from my point of view i've i just got a normal um sort of fan fit shirt whatever yeah, it's called yeah, yeah. i haven't had any issues with it my lad loves his kits and he lives in them but yeah, I mean, from my point of view, I think the kits look really good this season. I don't, I've got no issue with how they look. It's just availability. I mean, yeah. I, from my point of view, the kids are the ones that are going to be buying full kits. You're yeah, not no. going to be having adults wandering around in them, so I they should not. have. Yeah, well, John Terry might, I suppose, but yeah. um, it's um, yeah, it's something they need to sort. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of what the burning issues are. I mean, there's going to be new screens uh, put in. I think the first one... They were uh, putting that up last week. Yeah, that. that's yeah. ready for the Newcastle game. Then both of them be ready for the Leicester game. Uh, I think they're being re-angled as well, and they'll be bigger, so it'll be interesting to see. A lot of the talk was really about seating, wasn't it, in terms yeah. of the seating exchange? Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, my friends had first-hand experience of how long it takes to get your money back from Villa right. on that. It's... Um, it's certainly not a slick system that they're using at the moment oh so the the re yeah the seat exchange yeah, yeah I, I, I mean i was uh i was basically me questioning the club over that and this whole idea that uh you get 80 percent of the value and obviously if it's uh, a category a game and they're reselling it for 45 quid 50 quid or if it's a kid's ticket and they're upgrading it but it's you know it's one of those arguments where they're saying well are you trying to profiteer out of the season ticket and you're thinking well if you buy a season ticket it sh- technically is yours and 
then there's you know the situation where the you know I propose well what about categorizing the actual value of what the money you get back and they poo pooed that idea but it is what it is you buy the season ticket and those are the terms I think really. they know as well that in the, the current climate of Villa tickets, especially for the bigger games, if you have a season ticket and can't go, you probably won't need to put it on resale. You know full well you'll be able to get face value from someone yeah. you yeah. know. Well, that's what I told them. I said it's 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 opened up the situation where rather than use the system, especially for those games, people will sell it privately just because they want face value back. I've never used it. How does that work then? So if I can't go to the Newcastle game, yep. I put it on this portal or whatever it is. So... Do you have to be like a Claret member to buy that or does it just go to like general sale or is it at the level that it is? I'm not quite so sure. When the game sold out, it's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Or for example, if the game sells out and then you decide two days before the game you can't go. If it sells yeah. out at Claret member level, then I yeah. think it's then it's open to Claret members. I'm, I'm this is yeah. however clubs run. And then so essentially your say if you um your season ticket costs five hundred pounds, for example, that gets split. 19 ways yeah and then obviously yeah. the, you get 80 percent of one 19th of that price yeah rather than category price in your seat and you buy that through the normal villa ticket office online or yeah whatever. i think yeah. i believe it opens it up to yeah. the seat just gets sort of taken off your card as it were so in effect if you bought one you would never know if it was a season ticket return or if it was just a, yeah, a no, spare no, exactly, yeah. Okay. yeah it just reappears on the map doesn't it the seating yeah. map yeah uh, and we also talked about the fact that there must have been, what, 5,000 plus empty seats at the Wolves game. And there was people who obviously wanted to go, but anybody who was a season ticket holder got a free ticket, obviously, and 5,000 or so elected not to turn up on the night, yeah. which is something they will, uh, you know, it's, it's something that when they think about it next season and they think, oh, should we give away free tickets again uh, to our loyal season ticket holders? They'll go, well, 5,000 didn't turn up, so no. Yeah, it was a strange one, that wasn't it? Because it was midweek in half term. It was against Wolves, so, you know, come on. And it, and it sold out really quickly, didn't it? It didn't yeah. even go down to season ticket holders being able to buy additional seats. So there was clearly demand there, and it was half term. They would have sold all the tickets for that, I would have thought. Yeah. Well, I think it's, um, we'll probably come on to it later, the very fact that it sold out really quick was because the ticket prices were sensible. Yeah, absolutely. The opposition was decent, and... I think in hindsight, what they probably should have done is said, if you want to go as a season ticket holder, you need to go on the website and effectively register to go to the game. And then any that people that didn't would then have their seat. Yeah, go up I, mean, let's, I mean, like, while we're here, uh, let's talk about the Liverpool pricing, because uh, I know you both have strong opinions about that. So. Yes, yeah. The club asked us, so what do you think about prices for the Liverpool game? And I think the pitch-up was about £20, and I think you think, fair enough, quarter-final Liverpool, £20. And then you don't really think of much beyond that. And they're saying we're looking at, like, 2025 has been the lowest. They didn't really start mentioning figures of 33 or whatever. Disappointingly, the Aston Villa Supporters Trust uh, representative there said, charge them as much as you can. And you think, well... Hang on a minute. No. <laughs> Potentially playing a three third string Liverpool team. Their ticket prices are twenty pounds because I don't think you're allowed to charge the away fans more than uh, the lowest price of the home tickets. Yeah, and I believe Liverpool had done an agreement with Villa to say essentially, you know, some of our most loyal away support will be probably making the effort to go over to Qatar for the whatever it is World Club Championship. So they will be opening up the opportunity to Liverpool fans who don't necessarily always get to go away to go to that game, but they are acknowledging that, well, we know that we're not going to play a full-strength side, so our ticket price will yeah, yeah. You know, rep- um, 
represent that. Represent that. So the fact that you've got away supporters being charged twenty pound and Villa fans in home areas, especially in your you know your Category A tickets, they're thirty three quid with no concessions. Yeah, which is shocking. So that was one of my gripes. In terms of the availability of the so-called tickets available from £20, you're actually only talking about potentially three or four blocks in the stadium. You're talking about the whole end wings, which aren't very big, two blocks in the north stand, and that's it. It's the old trick, like where you can say tickets from £20. And you're talking about maybe 1,000 seats or 2,000 seats. They've disappeared straight away. I mean, obviously, factoring the games on TV as well. And the the big one for me was the, the common sense of having... Three home games in a nine-day period, that coast to Christmas. You know, we've got Liverpool on the 17th, Southampton on the 21st, Norwich on Boxing Day. They'll all, I would imagine, be bumper crowds anyway. The Liverpool game comes as something as a bit of a bonus. I mean, what would they have done if we were away from home? Yeah. yeah. I, I think we've we've just really got it wrong on this one. Um, it's it's too expensive. There's, there's too many variables as well. Like we've said, we're not going to play our full team. Liverpool certainly aren't going to play their full team. So when you think, like you've mentioned, there's Premier League games coming up within a very short space of time. Most of the seats are between 25 and 30 quid. You're rather going to pay to go to a Premier League game than seeing, Yeah, we don't even know if it'll be a third strength Liverpool team. So no, I think uh, we've really got it wrong. And I, I think Dean Smith will put out a similar team than he that he did against Wolves as well. I don't think you, you'll be seeing us putting out a full-strength team to go for the kill. I think we'll put the heavy hitters on the bench. I think we'll probably yeah. you'll probably see a stronger squad, and if we need to get the job done, we know we'll have the uh, we'll have the weapons to do that. But I, I'm pretty sure that um, he'll see it as you know we're, we're going into a very busy period of games, yeah. of which the games that follow that Liverpool game on paper to me are the really imperative section of the season. When you look at the games over Christmas, they will define whether we stay up or not, I think. Yeah, yeah. I You're looking at Southampton, you're looking at Norwich, that's two six-pointers at home. Yeah. Um, especially the, the games that we'll come on to shortly in terms of what we can, you know, we're coming off the back of trips to Old Trafford, Stamford Bridge, you know, we've already played Liverpool, Man City. It isn't a priority number one game, but he will want to win that and he will, will, you know, you would be more than disappointed as a Villa fan if you fail to beat a Liverpool side yeah. with whatever team we put out. It's a really good opportunity for us this season to go and have a real chance of winning something so if like you've said come what may we stay up brilliant no one's going to remember that really over the end of this season but if we can get to a final maybe win it that's what we're going to remember seasons by that'd be massive i mean that that will cement dean smith's legacy straight away as well and it's the thing of you you want your club to be going for it you know yeah, the reality yeah. is we're, we're not going to win the league or the else FA Cup's why difficult. are we here yeah, yeah why yeah. are we here you're, you're in sport in general because you want to win things we're yeah. not Tottenham yeah well that's it we've we've got this far now we, we may as well have a go mightn't we we've been to, you know you look at it on paper and think oh we've beat Brighton and Wolves I know they didn't put full teams out but we're at this stage of the competition we've got to go for it yeah and if you look at it objectively actually under normal circumstances you'd say what a, what a crap draw but actually it's probably the best draw we could have got yeah beyond well in yeah i mean even the lower league teams will be bastards to play at this stage and they'll put everything into it so uh all the other teams i mean man united have been playing a strong team leicester quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So indeed, anyway, anything else on this fan consultation? I mean, VAR, the club, I mean, behind the scenes have been uh, putting in complaints to uh, the Premier League. They're not happy at all with, I mean, this goes back obviously to the start of the season, some of the decisions. And, you know, you look at Crystal Palace and what happened there, and Mike Riley, who who runs the show on this far, uh, what's the company called? It's something like PGOL. PGMOL, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You know, he's getting paid approaching quarter of a million pounds. And, and you just can't believe how you can get paid that much and get something so wrong. Consistently wrong. Consistently wrong. And so the club obviously aren't happy with that. I mean, myself, I've been... Uh, I asked the club uh, weeks ago what the situation was in terms of the in-stadia communication to fans because that is a big, big part of this. Because if you're at home, you kind of got a rough idea what's going on. If you're actually at the game in the stadium, you've paid the money to go there. You've got no idea what's going on. I mean, we saw that even against Liverpool when they weren't contentious decisions. There was two stoppages in that first half where you were just thinking, you know, what's going on? It's just, we're just in limbo. Why have they stopped the game for like a minute and a half twice? It's so poor and it's so easy to remedy as well. I think that's what the frustrating thing is. And like you say, as a fan at the game, you shouldn't have an inferior experience to somebody watching on the TV. And that's what it is at the moment. Yeah, no, completely. Uh, Apart from that, there's movements to upgrade the quality of AVTV. I think they've got some other team in or some people in and it's going to be a it still remains free. It's not going to be something that you actually pay for to uh, get any extras, but uh Let's see what happens there and see if it actually does improve. Uh, other things like the Nakamba chant. I mean, we've discussed this in detail on the podcast. Uh, I know what's actually happened there, but uh, I'll let the club uh, release that, uh, which I think they'll do in, in a couple of weeks' time or so. And obviously just the general condition of the area around Villa Park, things like rubbish in the street, street parking, dispersal of fans and traffic after the games, park and ride, yeah. things like that. It's, it's, it's not completely all on the the club's head is it that's no, kind exactly. of multi-agency as they call it and yeah. notoriously West Midlands trains are crap at the best of times and then you've got the usual gripes about Wi-Fi uh, which I don't think is going to be settled anytime soon but you've got I think they're fitting uh, it's is it, 4G isn't it yeah 4G with uh, EE and O2 yeah that's correct I think Vodafone operate at the moment although people I know who uh, have Vodafone would dispute the fact that it uh, operates at the moment <laughs> although if you're Dan Rogers you seem to be the only person in the ground who has his own yeah. personal satellite to upload videos from the ground Dan in real time is literally the only person who can do it and the only the only thing that stands in dan rogers uploading videos uh, of what's happening in the ground is var because he gets it ready to to push out there so fast that when var pops up he's like oh shit <laughs> he's already pressed the button 
So sometimes he's had to uh, retreat uh, a couple of times. Anyway, we'll I'll keep you posted on what happens at the fan consultation group. I think the next meeting is with uh, Christian Perslow, which uh, may be interesting if uh, Villa haven't uh, put a few more points on the board uh, when we get to it. Uh, so let's I mean let's talk about what's happening on the field uh, finally. We discussed it in the first uh, episode ninety one. We discussed like the lack of threat, the lack of. Uh, sustained pressure which was something that was bugging dean smith and i mean my my i was getting bored of almost saying it was it's just this lack of cutting edge i mean ben what's what's been i mean obviously you're a season ticket holder what's been the downfall from what you've seen with your eyes um i think like you've touched on in the previous podcasts i mean the the lack of control in the game is a big thing for us um we don't ever seem to get a rest um which i think is um sound like a train Someone with a trumpet next door. Right, we'll try again. Interruption of trumpet. Yeah, trumpet you, over. Trumpet you, time. If you hear a trumpet in the background, just uh, embrace it. Yeah, controlling games is a big thing for us. We we don't seem to manage the game at all in some patches, which I think leads to us coming under sustained pressure. Wesley, whilst I've, I think I've seen enough of him to think that he could be a good player, I just think we're desperate for someone else to come and sort of share the burden with him a little bit, really. He's shown, we've seen it, he was brilliant against Everton. And when we signed him, I thought, you know, we've got somebody here that can really add something. Yeah, he looked good in pre-season as well. Yeah. I mean, from from what I've seen recently, he especially against Wolves, he, he seems to like to drop deep, which mm. I don't think is a massive issue for us because we play with like the high wingers. But we we really need him to either start scoring more goals or we need some. Well, we desperately need somebody in January to share the burden. Like I say, be interesting to or to know if they've got somebody lined up already that maybe they didn't get over the line uh, in the summer, or even a few lined up. If I was betting on how many players come in, looking at the deficiencies, uh, I would say two or three. Yeah, I'd be looking at two. I don't think you know. They, they. I think for the most part, they actually did a really good job in the summer. They didn't yeah. make too many mistakes with what they. Considering the overhaul they had to do, they got it pretty right. So I would imagine they'll have known pretty quickly in the season that we're probably a little bit light up top here and they'll have been looking all over Europe, if not the world. Yeah, I mean, a- Dean Smith was putting on a brave face when the transfer window closed and he's, he was saying, you know, it was basically a press conference saying he's got pretty much everything uh, he needs. And you're thinking, it was, I mean, it was so obvious. And here we are now, 12 games later. Yeah, even with a full, you know, a fully fit card, yeah. and a fully fit Keenan Davis, you still I, just, I can't light. personally. I, I can't see Codger in the Premier League. He no. was he was too unreliable in the Championship, and I know he's had his injury spells, which which says the same. I think Davis. I, I don't think he's ready. Again, I think I'd sort of class him a little bit similar to Wesley, where he probably needs a season in the Championship to really find out what type of player he is. But we can't afford that at the moment, so. Yeah. Desperately need another striker. I think if if you told me we would get any money for Codger in January, I'd bite their hands off. Yeah, and, I agree. And basically, uh, that gets his wages off the bill, and then you can buy two forwards in and I mean, up, I think upgrade in the, um, the, the position. In the summer, if we could have part exchanged him for a Malpai, yeah, it would have been a good bit of business. But I mean, my, my gripes with Codger actually aren't outside of the penalty area. I actually think if you put him in front of goal, yeah. he's a pretty clinical finisher, but... At this level, you need to have more than that. Yeah, especially if you play in the lone striker as well. Yeah, yeah. I think his unpredictability in the championship was like an asset to him, but now he's he just hasn't got the quality. It's not his fault necessarily, 
it's just we've yeah. moved on now yeah. and we need somebody else. But Chris, like you touching on the games we've got coming up, I think these next this next month for me will be a real gauge of how good these players are that we've signed because we're having a little bit of a wobble at the moment. Granted, we've had some really tough fixtures and we've got a few more to come, but I think we're going to really see when we play the likes of Southampton at home, Norwich at home, Watford away, they're the ones really we need to be getting seven as a minimum. And those games are consecutive over the Christmas period. Yeah. And I can see, I mean, Watford, Troy Deeney coming back and their problem is they haven't turned draws into wins in some circumstances. And I can see them wagging the tail and kind of coming back into it. Southampton have got issues. Norwich have got issues. So it's not as if those three teams are cemented in the bottom three. I think Watford, if they beat Villa, suddenly we've got issues. Yeah. And even, you know, our next opponent's Newcastle, you know, I think at the start of the season, everybody yeah. looked at them as a car crash waiting to happen and an, an inevitable struggler. But actually, Bruce seems to have found a way to, well, unsurprisingly, kind of grind things out. I'm of the opinion at the moment that they're sort of uh, fluking it, shall we say. They've yeah, got a I lot think of... if, you, um, if you look at sort of the stats yeah. of the overall league, and Newcastle are pretty much bottom of a hell of a lot of the ones that you'd gauge a good side by in terms yeah. of, you know, shots, possession. But, you know, they beat stuff, Manchester... They, they beat Manchester United and they beat Spurs. And these are games that if we don't win and we'll make up excuses saying, oh, well, look at their team. It's much better than ours, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, they've just beaten them and got on with yeah, it. Yeah, but There's a certain amount of catching teams on a bad day, isn't there, as well? And I think... Well, we, we've caught yeah. a, we've caught a few teams on bad days and played them with, with them with 10 men as well. And uh, no, I agree. I, I agree. the advantages. Definitely of the, the big games that we've had, especially like you mentioned, Liverpool, Tottenham away, we should have took points. Arsenal, Arsenal those was games. the big one. Arsenal I'm still as well. angry about that yeah, Arsenal same, game. So am I. But Newcastle, you look at the facts, they've got a £40 million striker who scored one goal. Their strikers aren't scoring. It's defenders. They're getting hardly any possession. It's over the season that is going to catch up with you. It might work over a short period like it is at the moment, but I, I really think Newcastle will be in and around that bottom three. Yeah, Joe Linton, actually, he's won the second fewest number of headers in the whole league. Yeah, there you go. So he doesn't actually hold the ball up. He's had some and he was shots. double. And he's double actually Wesley. one of the, uh, he's the second most subbed player in the league as well. Strangely, actually, yeah. after Tammy Abraham. But uh-huh. also... Uh, Who is doing the business. I don't think the Toon Army are fully, they're not, in, they're not behind it, are they? They're not, I mean, they're coming to Villa Park and they haven't sold out their allocation, which never happens. I think it's probably just about. I think that might be smoke and mirrors, to be honest. But right. in terms of the, you know, was it something like 8,000 season ticket holders didn't renew at yeah. St. James's, which is unheard of. I mean, that yeah. season ticket there used to be like gold dust that you so, pass down your family. There are holes There are holes at St. James's in, in certain stands of, yeah, yeah. you know, empty seats. Which... And, the, and the sort of the, um, the feelings towards Ashley haven't... Yeah waned at all now the fans still want him out they were still unhappy with Bruce being there but I think as long as they as long as Bruce can keep them in the league I think the fans are generally content with their season's work but yeah I think I'd liken it to when we wanted Lerner out and McLeish was in charge for us it's uh, a bit of a perfect storm in terms of yeah, they it's don't like, like anything at the moment. Isn't it, in which way yeah. the club is going, or indeed which way the club isn't going. But there is a difference. I mean, at least Steve Bruce is a Geordie, where obviously Alex uh, McLeish was a, a relegated Birmingham City manager. So. Yeah, well, Bruce is ex-Sunderland, isn't he, as well? Albeit a little bit, a bit, was it like a 10-year difference or whenever it was he was manager there? Yeah, but he's, it's his boyhood uh, team, so that kind of uh, covers up the cracks. So... Dean Smith and Bruce have got something in common, at least. Uh, they they both manage their boyhood teams. There you go. But only one's had a cabbage thrown at him. So far. So far, <laughs> yeah. 
looking at Villa, what's happened uh, 12 games so far? I mean, we mentioned at the top of the show, Spurs haven't actually won a, an away game uh, at the moment. And this is actually Villa's Achilles heel, even though they've won one game, the Norwich uh, one. They, they pretty much shot all their load in that one game because they lost the other five games of the six games they've they've played. So when your away form's that bad, uh, and it is 17th, that is exactly where we are in the league overall. So it's kind of no surprise there. I mean, I'm pretty glad, to be honest, by by the time we get to Christmas, we'll have already been to Spurs, Manchester City, United, Chelsea and Arsenal. Yeah. We'll have all those trips out of the way, which could end up being important in the second half. So based on that, uh, you would envisage, obviously, this is a kind of a new uh, put together team. So the first half was always going to be tougher anyway. And the fixtures seem to be a bit more, let's say the harder games away were in the first half of the season. So the second half of the season with a team that's familiar with each other, slightly easier gradient of fixtures uh, should see us finish stronger hopefully you'd hope so I think that my frustration hasn't really been with the away games although it's not necessarily been the being defeated but the manner in which we've been defeated but the, the bigger frustrations for me have actually been you know the failure to get submit against Bournemouth the failure to beat 10-man West Ham throwing the game away against Burnley it's those kind of yeah. games come yeah. May that you know we the the Brighton game kind of masked a few things but we actually managed probably for the only time this season to actually grind a win out yeah uh, I think the other thing as well is I, I I don't I haven't got the stats in front of me, but I'd be really surprised if another team played Man City and Liverpool in consecutive game weeks because that is brutal. We yeah. had we had like a really good back to back wins before we played those two games, so it was it felt as if we built some momentum and then we had them two games which were free hits and we should have had something out of the Liverpool game. Yeah. But it just felt like if we'd have maybe had Man City away, then a more easier game in between to so just just to break it up because like all of a sudden we're on the back of three three defeats now, seventeenth, and everyone's getting a bit edgy. But I I, I think you know we'll we'll be absolutely fine. It's concerning where we are. Was you, you was you concerned by the lack of effort against Wolves though? That was yeah, that was well. Dean Smith said it all, didn't he? He said the the first half was really really poor. You can forgive poor performances, I think, because it happens. But it just seemed that there was a lack of effort. We were getting bullied, and really, we we should have been taking the game to him. And I know that some fans will say, "Oh, it's not. It's Wolves. It's not really a proper derby. It's still a local derby." Yeah against a, a good team that I feel as if we didn't really show ourselves in, in the best light at all. We we lost to a, a better team who wanted it more. You don't mind losing to a better team. You know, you go to Man City and you get turned over three and you go, well, do you know what? There's going to be better teams who are going to go there and get absolutely torn to shreds. Because the only way to beat them would be to, basically in terms of effort, outdo them. Yes. Yeah. We had to nullify their quality, and uh, you know we just we just I mean the f- their first goal just summed it up. It was like basic stuff, wasn't it? It, yeah, was, it was. I just mean, dreadful. Really, we were we were lucky to go in one nil down. I would say, which is but, kind of what Smith said, didn't he? After yeah. the game, that the best part about the first half has only been a goal down. I just I just think that we I said it in the previous pod that a, re- a kind of a performance like that had maybe been coming. You know, we'd been playing well but losing. We'd been getting the odd win and playing reasonably well. But I just thought at some point you're going to have a mare and we're not set up to play badly and win. No. Yeah. I'd, just, I'd just question, really, on that first goal. You know, what everybody knows Neves, pretty much all his goals are from outside the box, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. So surely somebody should have been saying, I don't know whether it's Mings or anybody get someone on the edge of the box we had every single person in the box so even if we'd cleared the first um shot it's coming straight back in again 
And I, I feel I, I don't think we're the only team in the league that do it, but especially from set pieces close to the goal corners, we bring every single player back. So it's like we don't have anybody to try and you know win a flick on yeah, to get us up the pitch. It's, it's the, the eternal, ball, it's the it? eternal uh, frustration of that tactic, which uh, yeah. I still I can't work it out. I've, uh, I, you know, I, actually, I asked it's, Steve it's really naive. I asked Steve Bruce to his face why why he did it. In, in a nutshell, his answer was, "It's the trend nowadays," and you're just thinking. We'll break this fucking trend. Why, why be on trend when you can be ahead of the... You know, before uh, before, um, before Pep came to the Premier League, everyone was playing a different style of football. Now everybody wants to play possession-based football. It's yeah. like, why, you know, we can be ahead of the curve. I presume it, it must be that the statisticians have looked at it and said, if you bring everybody back... Yeah, this is yeah. the amount of goals you're going to concede. If you leave one person up, you're going to let more in. That's the only Which reason. Which is fine I can when we've got, of. you know, you've got um, Mings and Engels who've blocked more shots than anybody in the league combined. They've won more headers, I think, combined as well. But if someone's rolling the ball to the edge of the penalty area, that's not competing at a set no. plays. It that's naive and it's just. I, w- stupid. I wonder if we had a real speed merchant whether they would leave them on the halfway line as an out ball. Because I mean, if you, you look back to the classic game against Everton at uh, Goodison, the three-two, where it. Yeah, it's yeah. what you know. And we had Ashley Young. Les Scott thought he'd rescued the point, and then that comes out. If, correct me if I'm wrong. From a corner, I think it's Larson heads it out. I think it's Gabby that flicks it on because we le- we kept men up, yeah. and then obviously yeah. Ashley Young does his thing. Well, There's that's no, a, way, no, no way you score a goal like that. No, the same season, of course, we went to um, the Emirates, didn't we? And I think Arsenal would have had a set piece or a corner. One yeah. launch from back to front. Gabby's in behind, and it, yeah. it's having that real breakneck speed that. Regardless of being a threat in terms of scoring goals, it, it just gets you physically up the field. Yeah. It turns the opposition around. Like someone like Van Dijk, if you play with your back to goal against him, he's going to dominate anyone in Europe. But if you've got someone who can run in behind him, all of a sudden it's giving him something different to think about. And yeah. no defender likes facing their own goal. And that, that is the thing. It's given them something to think about. Because if they see you all hugged in your six-yard box, they're like, right, let's, they're not thinking about how they're going to defend this. Yeah. They, they can just concentrate fully on which, attacking Which is it. why it sometimes frustrates me with the likes of Algarzi and Trezeguet, who actually, they look at their best when they're a little bit more selfish and just get your head down yeah. and run. Because at least yeah. if you get to the byline, it's like you can either whip it in and deliver. You might get a corner. They might You might get a foul. But at least you're actually taking the game to the opposition. Yeah, It's surprising because like we... You know, we've sat here and you've you pair have said in previous podcasts, like Dean Smith is an attacking manager. He will go forward. So it's really odd that yeah. when we are defending, he doesn't leave somebody up the pitch to try and make something yeah. happen. And, and it, how yeah. far we retreat as well. You know, it's not like we're defending halfway in our own half with a high line. We are like we're right back on our eighteen yard line. It's like backs to the walls for yeah, because I, I can't, rem- I minutes can't or- remember when this first came in. I, I know Di Matteo did this, then Bruce carried it on, and I can't remember. I mean, it wouldn't have been Remy Gard, would it? I mean, he'd have, he'd have just played <laughs> eleven men across the goal anything. line. And <laughs> I think it's it's um, it to me, it's like a sign of desperation, really, that we'll get everybody back and we just want to get ahead on it. It's it's like defending with like a minute to go when there's a corner and you think, right, we've just got to see this out, we've just got to hold on to this, and you bring everyone back. Because back in the day, when you're playing school football, 
the the rule of thumb was if they're leaving one up the field, you leave two back. Yeah. So if you if you left five up, they should leave six up. So that kind of nullifies yeah. their attack. We should try that then. Yeah. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but I saw that we've conceded the most chances in the season so far. I mean, that's why Mings's blocking stats and tackling stats are, are well up there. So that shows you that our defense. I think our, our defense is battle tested and it's pretty good and it's better than it's been for a for a while. So I, I think our back problem. four is is definitely yeah where it needs to be. I think it's your it's your collective defensive unit, isn't it? It's it's what your Grealish McGinn, Nakambra, and especially the two wide guys. You know, it's your Trezeguet, Al Ghazi, those kind of guys. It's what they bring to the overall defensive well, well yeah unit. I mean Heaton you can tick that box it's just when you look at the other end and in terms of Premier League chances uh, I mean number one Manchester City 199 this is over the 12 games then Chelsea and it's a it's a big difference. It's a drop to one five seven. Liverpool with their methodical approach one five five, and Villa are top ten. They're ninth, joint with Spurs one hundred and eighteen, which is obviously they are creating the ninth or joint eight most chances. But as we've discussed, there doesn't seem to be that threat. There doesn't seem to be that sustained pressure. So a lot of these chances are kind of in isolation, and some of them are like you know fifty fifty nothing half chances. And this is something that needs looking at because we can create chances, as the stat says here but it's like the quality of it and sometimes it's only through sustained pressure and you know the defense is kind of mental breakdown that you know chances come if you keep them under the cosh sometimes they break I mean that's why we break eventually because you're playing somebody like Liverpool are just coming and coming and coming as as Klopp said uh, if you go 1-0 up against us you're going to get one or two more chances you better take them because we're coming for you yeah I I think that's an interesting stat because we we've spoke about Wesley before and needing another striker, but I don't know what you pair think. It's one of them. How many sitters has Wesley missed this season? Not many. Yeah, yeah. So even half chances really. Yeah, I can only think yeah. of one. Was it like a header against West Ham when he had a, a close range header. But other than that, you don't. Th- like, yeah. I think if anything, Abraham. The previous season scored a lot of goals, but he was actually a lot more wasteful because yeah. he was making a lot more chances. Yeah. That, yeah, that's. I mean, that's an interesting comparison because at the end of the season, I remember after we won at Wembley, uh, just being in the box park and some Villa fans posing the question to me, saying, 25 million for Abraham, would you do the deal?" And I was like, "Well," and they were saying, "I wouldn't." And that was, I think, based on that premise that he's just too wasteful. Yeah. But my argument was, well. He gets around the pitch, but he's he's getting around the pitch in per- with purpose. He's getting down the channels. He's getting wide, but it's with the intent to turn around and, and go for goal. Now Wesley is quite happy when he when he plays the ball, or if he, if he picks the ball up at the halfway line, he'll pass it down the line or whatever, and then he he won't break neck forward to get in front of the uh, you know the winger or level with him. He doesn't get into the box. He's just he, he kind of hangs back. He's playing like a midfielder. It's not his game, is it? Yeah. I think Abraham's a lot more. I'm going to get in the six-yard box. Yeah. I'm getting on the end of everything here. He's got that really Poachy. selfish kind of, I am going to be the main guy who's scoring 25, 30 goals a season here. I think that's that's the biggest difference, I think, between Tammy and Wes is the work rate off the ball. Yeah. You, that you didn't realise when you watched Tammy how much he closed defenders down. Yeah. And as we've just said, I don't think that's Wesley's game. And maybe that's why fans have got a little bit frustrated because we're used to seeing Abraham and he's off the back of... 20 goals, granted it was in the championship, but I think maybe as well, David, like you say, you see Tammy banging him in for Chelsea, getting in the England team, and now we've got Wes who's 
doing okay, but getting in the Brazilian more. team. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, he's Brazilian international, so he's got to be worth forty million now at least, doesn't he? So. Yeah. I think that's what we said on the uh, the the bootleg show that uh, patrons. Uh, How far have Brazil fallen? Was yeah, that was that was pretty much the premise of our discussion. And that's not out of disrespect to Wesley, but you look at some of the greats that have come through yeah. the Brazil teams of the years. You know, you Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, Romario, etc. And these are you're talking about global icons. Because I'm I'm sitting here comfortable with the fact that Grealish isn't in the England team because I think probably needs to do a little bit more and against better. Uh, opposition because his standout game was against you know ten men Brighton. So I'm you know I'm cool with that. I'm I'm not in hysteria on social media you know saying oh he should be in the you know should, what's Southgate doing. I, I can reason with that. But when you've got Wesley breaking into the Brazilian team, which historically is one of the teams, then you think yeah, as as Rogers says, <laughs> Grealish captain of an All Star eleven, yeah. All Star <laughs> World eleven. If if Wesley's the Brazilian striker or national team striker, I mean I'm, I'm hoping. From his point of view, it, it gives him a real sense of confidence. He can kind of feel like, oh, do you know, I am the main man here, and and start playing like a guy who's leading the line. Uh, we will. Uh, we've we've mentioned Newcastle uh, quickly there, but we'll discuss that more in uh, the anti preview and our, obviously our history with them and uh, any other random thoughts that come into our heads. Uh, I think we'll close it off here and uh, we'll look forward actually to coming back to the studio to do a couple more shows. Uh, thank you very much, Ben, for joining us. No worries. It's been a pleasure. Uh, thanks to Chris as well Thank for joining us. Not you, the one from Norway. <laughs> <laughs> one from Norway, one from certain Coalfield, is that right? Yep. And uh, please do uh, spread the word if you have a, a good Villa pal. Do tell them uh, if everybody gets one more like-minded soul into the business of listening to the My Old Man Said podcast, we'll double our uh, listenership. Uh, please do follow on Spotify, Apple, or whatever podcast app you listen to. Uh, most of all, please do become a My Old Man Said patron to support the show. And also, don't forget about uh, the beer sponsors, as we mentioned earlier on in this show, who uh, will give you 10 Wonderbar beers from around the world IPAs stout so actually you can choose you can go for all light beers or a mixture of uh, craft IPAs and and stouts and uh, porters etc uh, check out uh, www.beer52.com slash moms and you'll get the full details there and how to get it all you have to do is pay 4.95 postage and they send you the next day will send you a box of beers for free just in time for Christmas. And it's a, it's a craft beer club and you can cancel any time if you don't want to continue the deal. But it's it's, it's tempting to actually stay on because uh, taste of some of those beers. And you also get to explore the world of beers, like literally the world. I think uh, it is. it's Korea at the moment, uh, amongst others. Uh, right, on that note, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. the wrong button but it's now time for the scott hogan touch count challenge three-way three-way i wish i had a pen oh hold on a minute bud's got a pen i need to jot down these tallies
You need a pad, Dave, as well. Yeah, go on. Have you got a pad? I do. I'm going to rearrange my chair so that I can eyeball Stokes. Max has got a cold. Oh, yeah, sorry. Disclosure, Max has got a cold. Sorry, everyone. He's not really. That's not that he hasn't got a cold, is it? He's not sorry. He's also been doing Tinder all the way through this podcast. Oh, <laughs> not about that. He's been swiping. <laughs> anyway. So you're the champion. Are, we, are you putting up your title? Yeah, go on. It's not really a risk. I mean, this is more of like a, a first round <laughs> FA Cup game, isn't it? It's, I'm, I'm fielding the kids, fielding Scott Hogan's kids. <laughs> <laughs> There's a prospect. I need to. Uh, That's going to get me in trouble. Isn't no it? mirrors behind me, is there? So you can see what I've got jotted down. We've actually been a bit slack on our Scott Hogan history because you know, Nathan, is it Nathan Jones, the Stoke manager that got sacked? Oh yes. Yep. Apparently they had a flare-up oh. before the Swansea game, which he actually scored in. Scott, can you get a touch, please? He scored the winner, didn't he? Yeah, he came off the bench. Apparently he'd been frozen out for a few games. Been frozen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, the story goes, the manager, well, ex-manager now, uh, called him... Uh, called him for a conversation because he heard that well basically one of the players had told the manager what Scott had said about him so he pulled him in and Hogan said there was let's say the manager sweared because I think he was being interviewed uh, on TV so he obviously couldn't swear and he said he banged his hand on the table as well and then uh, they had a conversation and he said get your kit you come in to uh, the Liberty. I think it was a Liberty Stadium. So he basically gave him a bollock and then put him in. Then he came off the bench and uh, apparently that was the kick up the backside. But I was basically I was trying to research, is he injured? Because he wasn't selected for, well, funny enough, he's not in the squad. Stoke win all of a sudden. They beat Barnsley 4-2. Aston Villa haven't exercised a recall option, have they? Hmm. They beat Barnsley 4-2 and swap places, so Barnsley are now bottom of the championship and Stoke have moved up. Oh. So uh, we have no uh, Scott Hogan to count because he managed to fail to get any minutes. Do, have you been looking at my screen, cheating? That. <laughs> Could we, I'm, I'm going to Dan for the last five minutes. We've got a camera up there. We've we got two bar. cameras. We've got, we got VAR in the studio. <laughs> We've got double VAR cameras. We can uh, get Chris through now. We'll get it wrong. You don't, you don't want to be thrown out onto these streets, I tell you. <laughs> rough as arse. Right. Well, let's not hang around in the championship. Let's go back to the Molyneux. Oh, God. So, as I alluded to earlier on, it was like 1982 all over again as Nyland rushed on to save, well, try to save Villa's soul, coming on in the seventh minute. Not exactly Spinks. Spinks, I think, it was the sixth minute, if more, I'm... Uh, more Spunks. <laughs> <laughs> If I'm not wrong. How many touches did uh, Mr. Nyland get in his 83 minutes at Molyneux? Dan's first. Dan can choose to go first or you could choose somebody else. It's up to you. You are the master. So what you get to choose if you want to go first or one of these uh, pretenders. Uh... Let's, let's hear what Bud's going to contribute to the conversation. I'm going to put the marker down. 20. 20 from the bird. Yeah. Who's next, Mr. Dan? You choose. Go for it, Mr. Stokes. Mm. I don't know. I don't think you've had a, ever done a goalkeeper, have you? So it's quite... I think we did one a couple of weeks ago, mm. I think. Okay, I'm going to go a little bit higher. We did Heaton, actually, last week. 31. 31. 36. 36. Right, into the second round. 28. 28 from Mr. Bird. Max Stokes. 27. Ooh. 33. He gets it. 33. What? Bang on. 
<laughs> That's Dan's why he's the champion. Absolutely <laughs> blank. Rigged. That's we why he's no the champion. Towards Ireland. You know, like in the mid nineties when Man United were just winning titles. And it's just, I'm just nonchalantly raising cups now. He's just bored. He's apathetic about it now. Just thinking, I don't even want to play anymore. This I, I, is boring. I'm, I'm Jordi Cruyff. I'm not even the good Cruyff, and I'm raising titles. <laughs> Right. Let's just, just like Man United, when it all goes horribly wrong, we'll all be laughing. <laughs> let's let's stay at Molyneux for this uh, the second game. I thought about the best of three, but because there's three of us, should we say the first to two? Yeah, isn't, isn't that basically the best of three anyway? Yeah, but if he gets one and you get one and you get oh, one, oh yeah, true. Uh, so yeah, first to two. Right, let's stay at Molyneux. Villa's highest touch touch achiever, touch counter. Touch counter was Mr. Gilbert. That yellow card didn't even put him off. How many touches did he have? And he played the whole game, uh, 90 minutes. 75. 75 from Dan. 66. 66 from Chris. 80. Max with an 80. Over to the Rogers. 85. 85 from the Rogers. What did I say before? 66. 78. 78. Chris can see the numbers, so he's got to... I'm doing him a favour here. <laughs> 86. 86 from Max Stokes. Right, we're going to a third and final round. Oh. Oh. Actually, sorry, I scrapped that. We're not going into a third and final round because Dan Rogers got it on 85. (laughs) 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 Sorry, I thought it was 88, but it was actually 85 when I double-checked. Dan has Optus stats on his laptop. (laughs) Listen, listen. You should look, see the look on Max Stokes's face. It's one of absolute disgust. And he's actually nailed these within two rounds. We never went to a third round. Oh. I'm wasting because <laughs> he does his research. So I've come prepared. Villa Underground Christmas jumpers will be available soon. <laughs> With my face on it, holding it. Right, okay, that, yeah, we'll give you one plug for winning. Uh, any, it. Close the door on the way out, Max. <laughs> World champion, still, even on a three-way, he managed to retain his title. We don't know how he does it. Dan Rogers, congratulations. Thank you, everybody. Thank Up you. to stats, no. Right, on that note, uh, it's time to get out of here. Thank you very much for listening, as per usual. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.